Hello. Hello. And welcome. And welcome. To the layer by layer by layer oh. podcast. The synergy's not quite there yet. <laughs> this is a show about nothing. And by nothing, I mean cubing, maybe. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, you know, we have a subreddit, layerbylayer.subreddit.com. <laughs> uh, We're getting um, there. What? <laughs> a step up from uh, layerbylayer.com, which we definitely don't own. Yep. Uh, today is Monday, November 19th, as we are recording this. Um, and it is Tuesday, December 33rd. Thir- Let's go with something more realistic. 30th, uh, while you're listening to this, in the year 2024. That's right. I'm talking to you, uh, is, Dylan. It, I, I didn't realize your uh, editing schedule was that busy uh, the next uh, four years. Well, no, years. no. It's, it's just that there's one guy who's going to listen to it then. Oh, okay. They're going to be like, whoa, how did they know? <laughs> Hello, Dylan. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we got through all the things we need to say at the beginning every time, us dimwits. Um, Not quite. No? What did we miss? Didn't, don't we need to thank Sarah for oh, our yeah. amazing logo? Yes, thank you, Sarah Cook, for doing our logo. Yes. And, yeah, the good, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I think we have some follow-up here that's long overdue. Also, we could check in. Is, is that a thing we need to do? Um, yeah, Speaking we, could, of... we, we, could, we could check in briefly. All right, real quick. Ready? Speed check-in. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So, uh, oh, I thought we were going to talk at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sick, but, I mean, not that sick, so I'm all right. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> um, I am not sick, but I am drowning in work right now. <laughs> That's another kind of sickness. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, this, this term caught up with me. Just the, you know, bike accidents really just kind of snowball into being behind forever on everything mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and this is like the first moment where i feel like i might almost be caught up but i'm not quite there yet okay so well, you're getting there <laughs> almost almost there i'm yeah so close <laughs> speaking of catching up yeah i think there's some follow-up that we are long overdue to catch up on yeah absolutely tell me about dodge cubing dodge cubing okay so this is still kind of a work in progress um Apparently, the dodgeball people are not coming to SkillCon this year. Oh, no. However, Dodge Juggle, because juggling is like the main event at SkillCon. Yeah. They're the ones uh-huh. that started SkillCon, are the jugglers. And they love Dodge Juggles so much, they're going to do it anyways without the dodgeballers. Huh, okay. Um, so it's not off the table. They're going to have to set up a dodgeball court at some point. And they said they'd be open to the idea. I told them to let me know when you know they get that nailed into the schedule. and that has not happened yet so there's still a chance still a chance it could happen i i think we can we can make this work somehow it might be like really late at night one night that we do this but it'll be worth (laughs) that's fine yeah well i look forward to hearing more about that as you learn more yeah i mean by the way the rate we're recording episodes it might be next episode when we uh (laughs) when we figure that out could be yeah (laughs) um we have another piece of follow-up here which is um we were talking at some point in the past about like scramble checking and scramble verification mm-hmm. and on reddit user jaquan uh j-q-h-w-a-n linked a video that i thought was pretty interesting which was someone made a thing using like a laptop camera that could use computer vision to verify a scramble basically oh and it seemed like it worked pretty well it wasn't Weird. like the 
the absolute like it wasn't super fast like you couldn't just like you know spin the cube really fast in front of it or anything but it seemed pretty quick and pretty accurate um Hmm. and they showed in the demo that it works with like different camera settings they didn't show necessarily different lighting conditions in the room but they did show different camera settings at least for the computer so it seems like it's fairly versatile I don't know how well it would work for all the different kinds of color schemes people have, but as we've mentioned in the past, there aren't actually that many of those. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting idea. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that's something that could be feasible to do uh, anytime soon? I mean, maybe not like universally, but I, if, I, I, I'm interested because I completely missed this comment in the subreddit then. Yeah, that it seems really cool. I think that like competitions could definitely implement that now on a case by case basis to like tr- at least try it out and see if it's effective at catching some yeah. things. It might be a little bit slow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but I guess the you one wouldn't worry. you wouldn't have to do the last sides. That would shave a little time off it at least. Right, right. Yeah, it seemed pretty fast and pretty accurate. Like, well, it seemed perfectly accurate from the video demonstration at least. Yeah. So. yeah. I like anything that, uh, you know, t- takes, because we, you know, we proposed for a long time having someone hold the job of Scramble Checker. Mm-hmm. So any uh, any easy technology that can, you know, potentially a- replace that future job or, you know, improve the quality given our existing structure, I'm all for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If we find that comment later, I definitely want to look at it and try it. Oh, okay, looks like, looks like it was on five on five. Oh wow yeah that's a, that's a while I, well that was the one we were at at nats right uh four i thought that was oh maybe yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that was in the past seven days no wonder i haven't seen that oh man oh this is cool oh yeah it looks like he's got like a link to oh nope a broken link to something <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skipping through the YouTube video right now. Uh, it seems like right now it's mostly used for just putting the computer or the image of the cube into a computer, not necessarily for, for checking, but I could see it yeah, very yeah. easily being used for that. One thing that would definitely get in the way of this is things like my color scheme. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And also just different shades would also screw with this, like if someone was like a pink side user yeah, instead of that's red. That's why I was... I thought it was interesting that he did the, uh, if you go to like later in the video, uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. If you go to later in the video, he like does like really extreme camera settings to show that it still works with that. Maybe it would be slightly resistant to having different color schemes, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the problem is I can like in different lighting situations or different angles, like, yeah, it's like, you know, near colors are, are definitely detectable, but the, the bigger issue is, you know, like me my U face is yellow and my front face is black and like black looks nothing like green. Yeah. Maybe you could also though, like you, you could have a combination, you know, where some of them you have to check manually, but right. Like if you look at it and it's like, obviously like it's a stickerless cube or something, then you can obviously like it'll probably, or at least it'll probably have the same color scheme. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing is that usually the cubes that need checking more are the ones that don't fit the normal color scheme. Yeah, but then you're also paying more attention to them usually, at least. Yeah, that's I think, true. Yeah, as a scramble checker, so those usually don't actually cause the problems. Fair, yeah. Usually, yeah, the the ones that you don't expect to be problems are problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy's law or some something like that. <laughs> don't think that's Murphy's law, but yeah, <laughs> it's a corollary. <laughs> this first topic here mm-hmm. is something I've had in here for a while. 
uh, and it's more relevant a few weeks ago, but <laughs> I haven't actually competed since this. This So um, basically, I switched to full Orozco for three blind. Yeah. And it's made me a lot faster and actually mm-hmm. a lot more accurate. I think I kind of got past like some kind of barrier in terms of like my execution speeds that my memo actually sticks now. And yeah, so as a result, like not only did I get globally way faster i got way more accurate like i did it like before i did this i had never even had or i'd had like one mean of three ever that i've done mostly because i haven't practiced a ton like most of my practice has been in competition but i'd had only one mean of three ever and that was like the first time i competed or the second time i competed or something so do you Um, think it's the method or the fact that you've just been practicing well i think the method enabled it because with the with a rosco i was so much faster um at just the execution part of the solve that my memo stuck more yeah so so my recall was better uh and then that of course also made me want to practice more yeah so so yeah it was a combination of things but i i think that if i hadn't learned the new method there's no way i would have gotten that kind of accuracy so quickly you were full old pockman though before you went orozco right uh m2 old pockman oh you were oh okay yeah that's weird I mean, I basically had the same feeling when I switched from, like, poop to uh, to M2OP. Like, I had the same feeling of, like, oh, wow, I can memo. You know, I don't have to spend so much time on memo. I, I execute so much faster. And so, I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting that, uh, that you didn't have that. Because the feeling you're describing is kind of how I felt with M2OP. So I, I had that, too. Uh, but oh, then... Okay. But it never really translated into, like, super great accuracy. It was always, like, I don't know, about a third or something or less. Yeah, yeah. I guess I never had, like, ridiculous accuracy, but I definitely felt it go up. I think in recent times I've been trading accuracy for speed more often. Mm-hmm. I-, I started trying to do that, too, but then I kind of realized I was actually faster and more accurate hmm. if I just kind of, like, took a little bit extra time on memo and then just executed as fast as I could, basically, because... If it stuck better, I could execute faster. Yeah, and I was basically at the point where, like, every single solve, I was pretty confident it was going to actually be solved. And uh, I, that was after, like, just a couple days of somewhat intense practicing. And I haven't really practiced since then, so I'd imagine it would take me a little bit to get back into that. But, yeah, I was averaging, like, a minute 30, basically, like, 95% accuracy. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I cannot say I have anywhere close to that level of accuracy with blind. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Although to be fair, I've really I practice. I used to practice a ton with blind because um, before I had my bike, um, I would always take transit in and I'd wrap my bag around me and do blind solves on uh, the light rail home and like have my peripheral vision open on the blindfold so I could still see uh, like my phone that was being used as a timer but not the cube for example. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't want someone to like just sneak my phone off my lap while I was uh, doing a blind solve. Yeah, I so, feel like it would make me nervous to blindfold myself on public transportation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't really feel like I ever felt nervous because of it, but um, <laughs> I definitely ha- took enough precautions to mm-hmm. make sure. And when I was doing all of that, I was definitely more accurate. But uh, yeah, ever since I started biking in, I lost all my practice time. Oh, yeah. So... Granted, biking is a lot faster than transit, so mm-hmm. just that structure—that structured time is gone. 
Another fun fact, that is the reason now, because I practice so much on public transit with a blindfold on and my eyes open. Oh, that's is that why you open your eyes now when you're... Well, it's it, my, my eyes, I always have my eyes open with the blindfold right in front of them when I do blind solves now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what so, I, I don't actually know what I do. I know for multi-blind, I keep my eyes open. Hmm. Just because I kind of get tired of having them closed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll close them if I'm like intensely concentrating, but I feel like my default is to keep them open. Huh. Yeah, I, I think I think for three blind, I close them. But for multi, I like get bored and I like look at stuff out of my peripheral vision to entertain <laughs> myself. <laughs> Clearly not cheating. <laughs> that's actually something i worry about with multi-blind i feel like now we have like segued this topic like four bajillion times um yeah. <laughs> but um that's something i actually worry about with multi-blind because it's the one we use like harmonica holders the most for and it's also like of all the blind events the one that harmonica holders are least effective why do you say that because in any other event it's one puzzle in front of you Mm-hmm. with multi you're like pushing them off to the sides everywhere or in front oh, of you so you can you could like potentially see them yeah out of your peripheral vision right because okay it, unless like you and a lot of people don't like unless you stick the thing right in front of your face but even if you don't like there's still a lot of clearance on your right and left side typically yeah um, i don't, I don't think i've ever the... solved enough cubes to like notice them out of my peripheral vision right i mean i just i've looked at people doing giant attempts and like have checked like the potential line of sight coming through their blindfold and where the harmonica holder is and have been like they could totally see the pile of cubes that they've already solved that's like off to the side and like theoretically could see themselves putting down an a scramble cube and could be like no wait i forgot something because they just yeah. saw it yeah, I haven't actually thought about that, but I guess that is possible. Yeah, this is the this is the uh, the pain of being a delegate. You think about these <laughs> things way too much. Yeah, <laughs> how could people possibly cheat today? You know, and maybe that's also because I teach. Yeah, I've caught way too many people cheating. Mm-hmm. Way too, I mean, it's kind of saddening to me, like how desperate people can be sometimes to to the point where they will cheat. So I, I think that both of those roles have uh, made me more aware than I'd like to be about cheating. Well, someone's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so what were we talking about? Um, accuracy? Right. Yeah. yeah. Accuracy. Okay. That's a thing. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that sums that up, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's how accuracy works. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you're not accurate, you just put take off the blindfold, then like peek at it while no one's looking and put it yeah. back on. It's not cheating yeah. if you don't get caught right okay yeah i think that was the conclusion that we were trying to go come to here so that it's the only logical one so yeah okay great talk great talk (laughs) all right so um a couple weekends ago how many weekends ago was it it was um three weekends ago i believe it was the last weekend of october okay so yeah the last weekend of october was kind of crazy for fewest moves yep we had three world records, two of them at the same competition, and then one of them actually beating the other world record single that no one thought was going to be broken for, like, years. You know what? I um, totally <laughs> forgot about those 19s now. That you, when you mm-hmm. brought them, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That totally happened. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the it was day like, before. Yeah, it was the day before. Yeah. Two people at, yeah. in Polish champs, right? Yeah, um, on the same, scr- yeah, the same scramble. And yeah, I mean, it was same. kind of an obvious solution, to yeah, be honest. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, 
not to take anything away from them. They're both very good FMCers, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike, you know, some of the past FMC world record holders. But, um... Well, I think Cube Explorer is a great uh, FM. <laughs> Arguably the best. Yeah. So they both got that on, like, it was, like, a ridiculously short three-corner skeleton, like, 12 moves or something. And that was also, it wasn't any kind of record or anything, but somebody got, like, a 21 on a 13 to three-corner skeleton, like, a couple weeks before that. And, like, before this, I had never heard of a 3C skeleton less than, like, 15. And yeah. Now I, people are getting these official, like, super short 3C skeletons. I'm just, they're just out of nowhere. Yeah. Wait, did you say someone got 13 to three corners and there was 21 was their final? Yes, I think. Or no, they actually, they ended up with a 22, but there was a place you could insert a nine mover and cancel one. <laughs> or something. Oh my god. How, yeah, no, it was bad. It was a really unfortunate scram Oof. or in, unfortunate insertion. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's painful. So yeah, opt- it was like 13 and optimal was 21. But mm-hmm. they got a 22 because the 21 was not obvious at all, <laughs> somehow. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I can say, I think I might have actually said this in a previous episode, but um, I felt super cool the one time that I had a 21 to 3 corner skeleton and found the only optimal way to get 28 by inserting an A9. Oh, nice. I felt so cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was not easy to see and it only saw it because... Um, I had like 10 minutes left after um, checking my the skeletons that I had, and that was the best one that I had was just doing an 8-mover for a 29. Didn't cancel anything. And I was just like, all right, whatever. Let's just see what happens if I look for <laughs> A9s. Yeah. And I, there, I don't really know how to look for them, so it was like a lot. Like every time I get to a certain point in the skeleton, I had to think about all the possibilities there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I figured one. I figured I found one. And I was like, oh, Wait, that totally works. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it can it can happen. Yep, it can happen. Um, but anyway, then the next day, um, after these twelve to three C skeletons, Chad Batten, Batten, I yep. don't know how to say your last name, Chad. Um, <laughs> he gets a seventeen to three corner skeleton at the competition with like three FMC means or something, right? Yeah, Georgia Georgia Cuber Mountain Trip or something. Yeah. He gets a 17 to three corner skeleton and cancels seven. Casual. And gets an 18. So. Super casual. Yeah. You know, that happens sometimes. At least um, <laughs> it's not like totally unprecedented because there's that one like 22 world record a while ago. Like and by a while ago, I mean a long time ago mm-hmm. where there was like a slightly different finish. That was pretty obvious that could have given it an 18. Yes. Yes. I remember that. That was uh, Isvan Koshka or something like that. Yeah. Isvan, mm-hmm. I remember his first name. I, I can't remember his last name exactly. Yeah, so at least it's not, like, unprecedentedly low, but 18 is still, that's that's impressive and hard to beat. Yep, that's going to stand for a long time. I know of, like, two people who have an unofficial solve better than that, or even tying that, so. And you know what is, what annoys me about it, is (laughs) that he's American, so. Yep. Like, it didn't even make getting a gnar easier. (laughs) World record or bust, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want to be able to get platinum just with FMC, right? Um, <laughs> and But it's like, how am, I can't ever get a NAR, so. <laughs> Oops. Well, you need, oh, oh, right. You do. You need a NAR separate from world record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, which I, I don't think you should have to, but you do. Right, um, <laughs> yeah. 
because yeah it's not about actual skill it's about arbitrary sections on your profile (laughs) (laughs) fair okay yeah that's okay yeah i was like i I was kind of perplexed for a second because i was like no matter who gets it it's like still equally as hard to get a nar because the you know like (laughs) (laughs) nope (laughs) yeah in this case yeah it's like oh no there's it's actually impossible to get nar right now Right. <laughs> and probably will be for a long time. And uh, uh, and Rito, or Reto, mm-hmm. however yeah. you say his name, Bubendorf, um, he got that 24.00 mean, but could have which been could have been a 23.67. So even he's not making the NAR easier to get. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I always felt for a long time that Europe was like, you know, the leader of FMC. And I still think to many extents they are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look, like if I were to throw you know, the top 10 FMCers in the world for a competition, you know, or even take the five best Europeans against the five best Americans. You think, you think the Europeans would win? I think that they would. Let's see. Who would they have? They'd have like Sebastian. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look up the rankings right now, but uh, I, I mean, Jan Bentlog. Yeah. For sure. Marcel, Marce, Marcel Peters. Oh yeah. Marcel. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> three, you'd have definitely three German representatives. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Martin. honestly, Germany could just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Germany's by far the best country. That's without question. Mm-hmm. I guess Martin Egdahl is technically top five Europe. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of him as a good FMCer because I just think him as good at everything, but... I mean, yeah. That's you gotta. There's There's a lot of people in the in the near the top there who are, who are kind of just there from, like, getting a good single and then a decent mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that um, probably the better way to determine, like, if it, I mean, obviously the ranking list is the ranking list, but if I were to try to, like, assemble a team, I would, you know, that is going to go, like, head-to-head or whatever, Yeah, I would look for probably not top 100 person rankings, but 100 results, and look at what names are up there, just because, you know, if you have one really good mean and then a bunch down below, but if, you know, you have a ton of, like, you know, 27 yeah, or better means. I definitely look for, like, consistency. Yeah, because yeah, if you only have one mean below 27, aka me. Oh, uh, also, uh, Linus Fred. Oh, right. Yeah, who, who... Who had the world record mean, but then didn't. should have the world record mean. So if you were to take a... T- it actually is almost entirely Germany. It's Germany plus Rito, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> you've got S- Sebastian, um, Marcel mm-hmm. Peters, Jan, Linus, yeah. Emmanuel Reinhardt, maybe. Right. Although, is, is did he just get it? No, he's his. Well, at least his mean that he's up there for is pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Ger- Germany has a lot of people. Yes. Up there. Yes, I do. Um, so, but I think I I think that in most cases, if you put North North America's best FMCers against Europeans' best FMCers. Um, I think it'd be close, and it's a lot closer than it would have been even a year ago. Uh, but I still think that Europe's probably more consistent than the U.S. is. Yeah. That being said, it's interesting because, you know, the, the world records now... I mean, obviously, mean is shared between the North America and Europe, but now single is mm-hmm. North America. I mean, obviously, single means the most, so... Uh... But of, of all of the 19 singles, only one of them was from the United States. Although it was the first one. And I mean, two of them are from Poland as a result of one competition. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's kind of, that'd be kind of an interesting question. I mean, I know we have like the uh, the week-long FMC competition. 
Yeah, I don't think that really says much more than who puts the most effort totally, time into yeah. it. <laughs> not not even effort, just time. It'd be interesting to have, you know, sort of a competition that were, you know, like a, uh, I don't know, like a Ryder Cup, like in golf, how they have like a, it's basically like a US versus Europe golf tournament. It'd be interesting to just have some sort of like weird invitational event where it's like a, it's not an individual event. It's like a, it's a team event. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't know if it would ever, it, it, like, it, you know, materialize in the next few years, but I am now personally mm-hmm. intrigued by this discussion. But yeah, that was a exciting weekend. Yeah, definitely. We're really off topic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whenever we start a topic, there are, like, four subtopics <laughs> that emerge out of yeah, it. Yeah, this is going to be kind of be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I blame the sickness. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I'm probably the one that's brought us off topic more often than not, but. This was an interesting post that I found on Reddit. Um, This guy wanted to make Force Galaxy V2 Megaminxes. So 12 different Megaminxes, all of each color. (laughs) Here's the interesting thing is that um, the problem with these Megaminxes, you know, like when you take apart a 3x3 edge. Yeah. They're not dedicated male or female. They're they're rotationally symmetric. Okay, yeah. In a sense. So that, like, no, it doesn't matter which piece you pick up, which two pieces you pick up, they'll always go together. Okay, yeah. So when you're making a force cube, you can just stick any... Do people do people even know what a force cube is anymore? Um. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should probably clarify that. I think that maybe is, like, an archaic thing. So force cubes are cubes made out of stickerless cubes so like buy six like six three by threes take them all apart and then group all the different colors together so you then can build up a white cube a green cube a red cube an orange cube a yellow cube and a blue cube it basically can make different colored plastic cubes even though the manufacturers don't produce those cubes themselves yep so the idea was to do this on megaminx yes by buying 12 megaminxes and do oh, he had to buy that. much more than 12. Yes, I'm I'm <laughs> seeing that now. So you're talking about how the, is it just the edges that yeah, go together? The, yes, the corners have symmetry to them. The edges do not. Edges can be male or female. Mm. So either they have the pegs coming out of them or like all of the pieces, like all of the contact points either have pegs or holes. Mm-hmm. This means that if you buy 12 Megaminxes, you almost surely have zero force Megaminxes. Right. Maybe one yeah. or two will work. Just because, <laughs> but, um, because some of the sides, you're going to have like too many pieces that connect one way. Right. Yeah. Because you basically, you're going to own, you're going to own exactly enough pieces. Like to make a force Megaminx, you need... Um, I think it's 60 half edges and 60 half corners. Yes. Or 60 third corners. <laughs> 60 individual stickers pieces, basically, of each type. And the problem is that to make, if you, when you look at your colors, you need exactly 30 male and exactly 30 female. Right. What this guy did is, uh, and his, his name on Reddit is Dr. Hedron. He instead decided, okay, I'm going to, tr- he asked like for statistical help to try to figure out how many should I buy in order to ensure I can make all of the Force Megaminxes? Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody did a very crude calculation that turned out to be really far off from the true calculation. Huh, okay. Because um, basically what this person assumed in doing the calculation is that, so if you get, for example, when you buy 12 Megaminxes, say you get um, 60 half edges of a certain color, he just assumed it was a 50-50 chance for each piece to be male or female. 
But it's not because each one determines the... Well, it's not false. Okay. It's not false. But so if you, it's it's it... actually it's actually valid if you want to look at the probabilities that you can make specifically the red force megaminx. Mm, okay. But the problem is that so if you opened you know a red male mm-hmm. that came that and say that came from a different piece, it means that some other piece that was attached to red was female. By doing the, if you do this as for every single color in terms of like one whole probability calculation, you're not taking into account that. Um, you know, the, the fact that you might be creating a pile of pieces that can't, couldn't have possibly constructed 12 normal stickerless Megaminxes in the first place. Right. So, so basically, like, if you were, to, if you're just talking about any one piece, it is basically 50%. Right. But yeah, if you're, talking you're thinking about, about single... it as a whole, every right. piece affects some other piece. Exactly. Yes. So, and this is like a huge, when I teach statistics, so this is, this is part of something known as a binomial distribution for anyone who's had statistics before or is interested. Basically, a binomial distribution um, is a random variable that helps you determine probabilities of certain events where this event is composed of some number of trials and a probability of certain a certain outcome in each trial. So in this case, we would have... You know, if you take 12 Megaminxes, if we're looking at just red, the red force Megaminx, there's 60 half edges that we get. So there's 60 trials and a 50% chance that you get a female piece, for example. And you can use this to figure out what's the probability I get this much. It's like exactly 30 in this case. The problem is that the way if you just purely use binomials, they all work independently. But there's definitely dependencies by these pieces being linked. So... What this person calculated by the binomial distribution is that 15 and a half megaminxes were enough to basically 97% of the time get you all the pieces. But that's not true? No, it was actually <laughs> way far off. Okay. <laughs> so I did it, basically what I did is I did a simulation of how you would get 16 different megaminxes. Look at you applying the stuff you teach in your classes. <laughs> I know, right? It, I, this is like, I wish that like my students cared about cubing because I thought this was super cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what I did is um, using a, a tool that I use for simulations, I created basically a list of all of the different combinations of edge pieces so I had like just this giant list that was like white, red, white, green, white, blue, white, purple. <laughs> um, and it would assign to each of them, one, like it would take a pair out and assign one male, one female. Um, and that would be one Megaminx. But you do this for 16 Megaminxes. So basically it would, what it would do is it would simulate a giant pile of Megaminx pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I counted up how many male of each male and female of each color there were, and from those counts determined can you make every force megaminx. Okay. What I did is then I redid this simulation five hundred times, mm-hmm. um, and I determined an empirical probability that is a probability that's just based on simulation, not on like a theoretical math mathematics calculation. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously it, I could have gotten a different probability if I did a different set of five hundred trials, like if randomness could make this very different obviously too i could have done this based on more than 500 trials but 500 is still a pretty good amount so remember um this person said that with 16 megaminxes you had an over 97 percent chance to get all of them correct Mm -hmm. but what i calculated 
was that this only 16 megaminxes actually only guaranteed it to you 81% of the time. Okay, that's still decent. It's still decent, but like if you're trying to go in with like a guarantee, yeah. Yeah. 16's not the guarantee threshold <laughs> or like the near guarantee threshold. And what's interesting is that Dr. Hedron when he did this, he was missing from one of his colors um or no, from all of his colors combined, he was missing nine different half edges. Mm-hmm. So like he needed like four red males and like two purple female. I forget exactly, but the number of pieces that when he got 16 megaminks that he needed um, was nine different half edges. And I was curious how unlucky this was. So what I did is for every trial that I had, and there were 95 of the of the 500 cases where you didn't have enough pieces, of those 95 trials where you didn't have enough pieces, there only twice did you have at least nine bat- pieces missing. Mm-hmm. Like most of the trials where there was something missing, you were just short like one piece. Okay. So it um, seems like there's something else going on with that's right, changing yeah, it, the probabilities. Yes. And what I think it is, is that this is not a, like the people don't create these mega minxes randomly. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my simulation assumed that, you know, that people would make the white ed- red edge at random. Mm-hmm. But what probably is happening is that they're doing whatever's convenient to them. I forget what color it was, but there was one color that consistently screwed him. And what it probably is, is that they start on that color and they probably just have like the pile of males or pile of females closest to them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the times, like it's not done randomly. It's just done what's most convenient. And what's most convenient might be just to have one side completely male. Yeah. And because you probably bought the batch together, they were likely made by the same people. Mm -hmm. or A lot of them were at least. Yeah, so the issue with kind of doing these simulations is that I'm assuming that it's purely random and Mm -hmm. independent. Um, And real life is not perfectly random. (laughs) So uh, while I did get two cases, one that had 11 missing pieces and one that had nine missing pieces that matched Dr. Hedron's result. This is just a one in 500, right? Yeah, it's it's a two in 500 chance that you would be missing that many pieces. So tiny 0.4 percent of the time does this happen um and while this could be dumb luck it definitely could be dumb luck i think it's thinking about it, it's probably more likely that this was just yeah uh, a non-random event so i'm getting a little esoteric here but <laughs> yeah I, i'm daydreaming a bit i'll admit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i just i thought it was interesting to talk about kind of a because this is kind of like the intersection of like the two things I like a lot. No, yeah, no statistics it's, and cubing. It's a interesting thing to think about because I, I mean, I didn't even realize that they had different like male and female connectors. Oh right, yeah, a lot of people have don't pop open a galaxy. To yeah, look at the edges. So yeah, I don't know why they did that. It like or why they needed to do that. It it seemed like laziness almost because the the way that the piece is designed, it has three connection points. Mm-hmm. And obviously you can't mirror three connection points. Right. <laughs> um, you know, if you make, you, you either have a piece, if you're trying to split it, you either have a two female, one male piece and one female, two male piece. Mm-hmm. And no matter how you split it, they're never going to fit together. <laughs> so I, it's, I don't know why that happened, but um, it sure made making uh, force megaminxes is a lot harder. Would it be possible to like make it just a less stable connection and like, shave off the middle one or something and then always well, I mean, have 
the problem is though that the way they're made they're all male or all female right <laughs> so like you know it's not like we live in this world where we could change you know chi to make you know still make it so that there's um that there you know that there's a dominant male and dominant female piece like a mm-hmm. two two male one female versus two female one male piece uh-huh um and then like in that case you could chop off like the one that doesn't agree i guess <laughs> and have weak connections yeah Andrew, this isn't going to be so much that people are going to take out of context from this episode. <laughs> this isn't funny. <laughs> this is terminology. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. This is a family-friendly show. Um, <laughs> just force megaminxes. That's all that's happening that's right now. That's all we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Anyways... Um, I I had fun doing that analysis. I probably should have been doing many other things, but it was <laughs> it was really interesting to to me to see that there was an over fifteen percent difference. Yeah, in the probability of getting all the pieces you need. That's uh, using a very crude model would or crude assumptions gets you you know something over ninety seven percent. But mm-hmm. actually taking into account you know the 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 dependencies, the fact that one one male piece necessarily comes with one female piece mm-hmm. drops the probability by over 15 percent yeah like that's that's kind of that, that really surprised me did i you, expected did you, it to be a lot did closer. you check how many p- cubes it would take to actually get the probability up to that high i didn't because i um the way that i had to do this simulation at least with the programs that I have, I could have programmed something myself from scratch that would have been able to do this, but I was trying to do this haphazardly with the technology I had at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the only way I could do it was to pick a number of megaminxes and determine the probability then based on the results. I didn't have a good way to... I definitely know how I would store the data if I were to write this from scratch, uh, but the way that the program I was using stored data didn't allow for that, so I just decided to, well... They use 16 as a as a guess, and that's how many they bought anyway, so it's relevant enough to just check for 16. But yeah, it seems in a random situation that you actually would probably want, I don't know, without really doing this, to see like, you know, at what point do you cross like the 95% threshold, for example. But I'd imagine 17 probably gets you close, and 18, I'm sure, would get you there. But I'm just estimating kind of based on my intuitions from what i saw in the data essentially that um of the 95 that i had there a significant majority were just missing one piece yeah so you'd probably get that on just like one or two more cubes yeah almost surely if like i had generated a 17th megaminx in every trial that a giant chunk of those would have been set by the last yeah. one yeah so that's i i would guess that 17 is probably probably the right number so when you think about it that way i guess 16 wasn't that far off but if you do go in buying 16 then it's a big jump in probability in that case so so uh we talked a while ago i guess this is kind of follow-up but i forgot that we talked about it earlier um <laughs> we talked a while ago about like what the best method for one-handed is um, oh yeah, or at least some yeah, ideas about that. As Kian, Ki, Kian, yes, that's it. Kian yes. was getting um, 
got his world record or whatever. Uh, and I, there are now three Rue users in the top six one-handed solvers. So it's getting to the point where I'm starting to really think that Rue might be it. Because that's very dispro- disproportionate for the number of like Rue users to CFOP users in total. And like yeah. for those Rue users, their two-handed results, for the most part, uh, except for Kian, aren't near the top, or at least aren't as close to the absolute top of like two-handed three-by-three solving. Yeah, I mean, on the same token, six is a very small sample size. That's true. And is kind of cherry-picked to make Rue look good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I Basically, I'm, I'm still on the train of, like, I definitely think it has a lot of potential, but by the numbers as it stands currently, um, I'd say we're in, like, a too-close-to-call sort of situation currently. That's fair. Yeah, like I definitely, I definitely agree that there's a lot, a lot of potential, but I don't know if, you know, I would safely conclude at this point that Rue is better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if I had to bet, if I had to bet money, I don't think I'd bet money on either CFOP or Rue right now. Hmm, okay. I think it's pretty, cl- it's definitely too, too close. I, I I think I feel pretty good about Rue at this point, just on like a not not just from like the results that are out there but also just like thinking about what i know about the methods true so it makes sense to me that rue would be fast and then also the results do seem to indicate that to some extent at least so at this point i'm willing to say i think rue is the better one-handed method yeah and 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 this could change too with future hardware like who knows yeah um you know hardware advancements in the next two years will prefer rue solvers like they're like M slices with magnets somehow become super easy or on the other token, somehow it's better. Like the way a cube will turn will be better for CFOP solvers. I mean, um, there's a lot of factors that go into this sort of, this sort of thing. So I, I'm personally just not fully convinced yet, but I'm definitely intrigued. We'll say. Yeah. Um, so since our last recording, I think Yuri Grangero, I don't know how to say any of these names. And Vincent Wong, uh, who are both mm-hmm. Rue users, got a 10.69 and 11.08, respectively, which puts them at yep. 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Kian was already up there at number 2. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, they got some good results. And are I'm you with... taking into account Patrick Ponce's recent one-hand average, though? Uh, yeah, he is just behind Vincent Wong. Oh, okay. I okay. think, wait, Pennsylvania Oh, no, sub he got, sub, he got a sub 11 just like a couple days ago. Oh, okay. In that case, uh, Vincent's probably at seven. Yeah. I don't think the results posted yet as of right now when we're recording. Patrick Ponce, Patrick Ponce got a 10.7 average at New Jersey. Chance. Okay. So that puts him just behind Yuri. So, okay. We'll say two out of the top five then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, see, you can always cherry pick the numbers. One out of the top really two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50% well, be, it, of the best cubers in the world. And see, that's what I'm saying is that um, on the other hand, I mean, I know obviously there are method advantages, like the shorter move count and leveraging table abuse to take adva- advantage of that short move count definitely makes it seem like it has more potential. I totally agree with that on principle. But sort of like th- this whole idea of um, looking at the top six or now seven, <laughs> when we include Patrick, um, is definitely cherry picking data. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So it, it, it's it's definitely impressive considering how few people use Rue. 
I totally agree with that. But whenever you have this sort of situation, people are always going to pick the top X that looks most impressive. 100% of the number two best one-handed solvers (laughs) use Rue. My point exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely feel like there's potential, and the, the top cubers have definitely shown that. I'm still, I guess, not fully convinced, though. Yeah. I'm just, I'm also not fully convinced about CFOP either. So, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to lean on the fence because that's uh, what a statistician is best at doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there, though, since they have, that was pretty recent. And mm-hmm. those two have done some really good OH stuff. So, Andrew, I'm worried. Why? I might have a nemesis soon. Really? You don't have one yeah. now? I don't have one. I'm among the, I think, 297 people that don't have a nemesis. Okay. What, what's, like, your, what's your thing keeping you from having a nemesis? Like, probably, Currently, like, just in terms of, like, good events, not necessarily against specific people at this point, because... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely know a specific person that only needs one thing to <laughs> nemesize me, but I have a very good combination of clock, FMC, and skew to some extent. Okay that uh wards away many potential foes Mm -hmm. um just because those three events are not a very common group that people get good at yeah and that's kind of what you need to do to get (laughs) denemesized but there is a problem Uh, who or what pray tell is this problem this problem is a dane who has <laughs> shot his way up the sum of ranks leaderboard and kinch ranks leaderboards um who is insane all-rounder at this moment like yeah mind-bogglingly good it's i i have so many ways to express how good this guy is all around his name's martin Eggbell, and he just needs to get a better clock average than me to nemesize me wow what, yeah. what, what's his at now um let's take a look i believe it's seven thirty something okay that's fast <laughs> faster than yeah. i expected and it's way too close to mine um yeah he has 732 mine is 722 <laughs> all right i got my average in 2014 <laughs> so uh considering that i don't have a very good line of defense yeah <laughs> Um, and I am worried. Although, you can beat his multi-blind, too. Yeah, but he has a 31 blind average. He's gonna beat oh. that multi-blind oh, yeah, by a you. long shot. He's gonna like, destroy you. <laughs> if, if he if he literally takes a nap while thinking about multi-blind, he's gonna get twice as good. <laughs> like, he's just gonna wake up and be like, oh, I can attempt 25 cubes, sure. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I mean, I, as it stands, sure, I could beat 9 out of 9. I have a 9 out of 9 in worse time. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> Morton's also got a much higher higher ceiling in that event than I do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm, like, looking at this profile and thinking, barring getting a super lucky FMC single, I have no clue how to get around this. Uh, his FMC average is beatable, too. Beatable, but it still would take a really good day for me. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like clock is easier, just, like, improving feet, at maybe? clock. Maybe feet. Maybe feet? I mean... Like, yeah. I feel like you could get there if, if you I, just start if practicing. I really, <laughs> if I really want to sell my soul out to practicing feet <laughs> to keep me, make myself nemesis-free, I mean, yeah, that is a route. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, you literally look at this guy's profile. He has two rankings 
that aren't top 100 that aren't top 100 yeah wow and one of them like we said he can can easily get to there yeah multi-blind he can blow out of the water and get top 100 and with his three by three average i'm sure he can easily do feet too if he just spent a tiny bit of time practicing yeah no doubt no doubt like the fact that anyone in 2018 soon to be 2019 can be top 100 nearly any event is in every event is disgusting and also also world rank one in two by two yeah no which is is actually a really hard event to break the world record in right average at least yeah just because there's so many people who can do it yeah the more i think about it the more i just think that i have to accept that i need to live uh a non-nemesis free world yeah how's any oh man i've been worried about like unnemesizing jay this whole time but (laughs) yeah i know you've you've got a new problem (laughs) it's really really just that fewest moves uh that that like because he got that 20 single yeah that allowed him to get that really good average yeah which is kind of actually the same thing for Jay now that I think about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> man, we got to have these all-arounders stop getting 20 singles. Okay, so let me let me express to you how good Martin is as a well-rounder for his time. In WCA statistics recently, there was talk about talking about like the sum of ranks champion. Like of all time? No, for in a, in a given year. Okay. So, like, who had the lowest sum of ranks, but when only considering the results that you obtained within that year. Okay. So, like, if you didn't get a five blind in this year, you're unranked for five blind for that year. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, the only year rankings, basically. If you are, like, looking on the WCA website, um, like, you have the option for only 2015 or whatever. Yeah. If you're taking those only rankings and computing sum of ranks for those. The thing about sum of ranks, though, is that, you know, we've grown clearly year to year. So, like, the the champion in sum of ranks, in theory, you know, assuming that the sum of ranks champion is equally skilled every year, mm-hmm. they should have a sum of ranks that's higher than the previous year just because there's more competitors yeah, every year. Yeah, more new competitors, too. Right. So it's just hard to be really good at everything because there's just more competition in every event to take you down a little bit. Right. So... That being said, I want to tell you year by year what the sum of ranks was for um, some certain years. So to start off, in 2003, where there were like two comps or three comps, I think, um, the sum of ranks champion had a sum of ranks of 58. 2003? 2003. Okay. So humble beginnings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 58. That's our starting point. That's our starting point. It climbed up then to 124 the next year, 269 the next year, nice. 538 the next year in 2006. Uh-huh. Um, it jumped it d- down huge in 2007 because of Eric Ocker's deck mm. um, with 290. Okay. Then it went up to 390, 631. All three of those years, Eric was the champion. Um, 2010 uh, was Milan Batic, which is the same as 2006 um, with 905. Okay. Dan Cohen in 2011 with 1204. Yu Nakajima in 2012 with 1611. Mm-hmm. Antoine Cantin uh, in 2013 and 14 with 1912 and 2258. Then it was Evan Liu in 2015 with 2285. Um, so we've been increasing every year for since Eric took over in 2007. Yeah. This is 2016 was the first decrease okay. since then with Jay McNeil 1956. 2017 was the first year Martin was champion, mm-hmm. and it was the highest sum of ranks ever with 2705. Okay. 
2018. Do you want to guess what the what? So obviously Martin, like yeah, we're so talking I, about Martin. I, I, it's it's obviously Martin. But do you know what this sum of ranks is? Is it so? Is it just average or like of all of his I think, ranks? I think it's it's all ranks. It's single and average combined. Okay. Well, I'm kind of looking at his page now, so I might be cheating a little bit. Well, but again, these aren't world rankings totally. It's just rankings oh, right. from results oh, geez. in this year. Yeah, that's going to make it way lower. Um, yeah, it's going to make it a bit lower than what you see there. Obviously, a lot of people set PBs in 2018, but... Um, <clears throat> yes. Um, PRs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Is it sub-1,000? Almost. Almost. Yeah, it looks like it could be almost. close. What it's is it? almost sub-1,000. It's 1,094. And that's in 2018, right? In 2018. So he still the, has the time. Last... <laughs> What's that? He still has time. He still has time. It could happen, which is disgusting to think about. But, like, the low. this is the lowest the sum of ranks champ has been since 2010. Yeah. Wow. 2010. That's crazy. Like, uh, that is the most complete, utter dominance in all rounding, all rounderness in the history of the WCA. Like, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting how good he is at everything. Like, we talk about Yu Nakajima at his time. Mm -hmm. Yu Nakajima was not the sum of ranks champ ever in a year until 2012. And that's, like, what can we consider well past his heyday. Which I, I found that really surprising, that he didn't pop up in the years that Eric won, like, in 07, 08, I, 09. I think it's because maybe he just sort of, like, wrote out some good results. To like So his, his like, overall sum of ranks was good? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I guess Japan doesn't often have, like, huge competitions with every event. Yeah. So he kind of, like, got his events sporadically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in 2012 he went to... I think he went to U.S. Nats in Vegas, mm. which probably allowed him a good sum of ranks. Yeah, so that's what I would say is probably the reason yeah, for that. Yeah, that's probably the reason. Yeah, good point. And I probably, when he did dominate, he just never got all the results in one year. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of a flaw of this statistic to some sense, because Yu Nakajima probably was super dominant in his time, but segregating by year does not do him any favors. Yeah. Still, though, I mean... No, this is still incredibly impressive. Yeah. And he's not only the top of summer ranks, he's also the top of Kinch now. Yep. And that only yep. stands to be by a much greater margin once he gets better at four blind, five blind, and multi blind, which I've heard he is, which I've heard like at home he's much better at those. So maybe he'll get some like insane results by the end of 2018 that'll put him sub 1000. I don't know if he has any comps, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if he does get improvements in, you know, the, the, the ones that he is most vulnerable vulnerable in like the big blinds yeah especially multi-blind one good multi-blind result will catapult him into a top 1000 sum of ranks on the year of yeah. 2018 <laughs> and that scares me <laughs> i don't know if i want to live in this world anymore andrew i kind of liked having no nemeses yeah it's well you got to get used to it like the rest of us <laughs> how many nemeses do you have i had one for a long time but i'm sure martin has joined jay uh, let me check Nemesizer, because for a while my multi-blind results plus FMC were enough to basically get rid of everyone. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's just Jay McNeil and Martin Eggdahl. Yep. So you've gained, you have gained one. Yep. In this this uh, subpar world that we exist in today. Yep. How many people do you nemesize? Uh, how many do I nemesize? Yeah. 
Uh, let me take a look. For most people who are reasonably good at 3x3, three three, you nemesize like almost everybody. <laughs> right, right. I nemesize 104,071 people. Only 104? Wait, what? Yeah, 104,071 people. Wait. Oh, wait, I was looking at the wrong thing. Where? If you, if you search your name, it'll say blah nemesizes blah people in the world. Okay. 91,043 for me. Yeah. Okay. Martin nemesizes 112,156 people, which is almost everybody. Because <laughs> basically, like, the only people he doesn't nemesize are, like, a few other good all-arounders and then, like, the world record holders. And that's about it. <laughs> well, let me, let me just do a quick database export because I can just load up the person's table and figure out how many people there are. There have been 113,804 competitors as of this database export. Okay. And of those, Martin nemesizes 112,156. That's most of them. That's about 1,000 <laughs> off. 1,000. Uh, 1,700. We should go through them one by one and figure out why he doesn't nemesize them. We should just start a podcast where <laughs> we every episode is about a person that Martin does not nemesize. <laughs> that would be a that, but, but, long but podcast. It should, we, but it should also, though, be... We should also focus on the people that do have other nemeses that are not Martin. Because there are people... That, according to this count, there's under 300 people that have no nemeses. Okay. And 1,700 people that uh, Martin does not nemesize. But are nemesized by who, other people? Right. That means there's a lot of people who are, who are nemesized by other people but not Martin. I'd imagine Which that a lot of those are nemesized by like, well, there's probably like 244 of those who are nemesized by Stanley Chapel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, sure. well, no, not 244, because that would be all of the multi-blind people that, um, yeah. Stanley's not that great at multi-blind, but, well, he is, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, but yeah, I'm sure that there's people who have decent multi-blind results, like 10 points or better. Yeah. That have nemeses. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I mean, that's totally believable because it only takes one event to not be nemesized. Yeah. Like, basically, yeah, you just have to get sub him in one rank. So, but yeah. Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's still kind of insane. I, I, I'm afraid of the day when he gets, like, 18 points in multi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that will really shift a lot of the numbers we've been talking about today around. Something to check back in on in a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> well, we this should just be a new segment of the podcast. <laughs> the the Martin, Martin Eggdoll check in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has Martin taken over the WCA yet? <laughs> the Martin Eggdoll of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this is probably the next best thing to creating a whole podcast about this. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. <laughs> So, Kit, <laughs> yeah. what's our rig of the day? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> so, we were trying to record this podcast last week, but, um, or maybe it was, was it two weeks ago? I can't remember. Something like that. We tried, we tried to record this podcast a while ago, and I bailed because of a bajillion life things coming up that day. Mm -hmm. um, and coming into recording today, I figured, oh, I must have thought of a reg of the day <laughs> when I did that. And, of course, I sit down here, we're about to start recording, and I'm like, I don't have a reg of the day. Yep. So, rather than prepare a cool story like I normally do um, about some regulation that exists, I have now a Google Sheet in front of me that lists 
all 422 regulations in the WCA regulations. That's 422 regulations. <laughs> so I am going to boot up uh, good old R to do some random number generating for me. Why don't you just like Google random number generator like the rest of us? <laughs> uh, because I am not a pleb. <laughs> I'm going to randomly generate a number between uh, 1 and 422, and we're going to see what today, what the reg of the day is today. All right. And if and if we get something I've talked about, I'm just going to regen. What are the odds, though? I mean, don't actually tell uh, me for, that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What? Like, I, the thing is, too, though, we've done multiple regs because they're, like, grouped together. That's true. So kind of hard to say. Like, yeah, I might. a lot of these are maybe more likely because they're spread out into multiple lines in the regulations, but whatever. We're just going to do this this way. Are you ready, Andrew? I'm ready. And I'm gonna... Is your body ready? <laughs> I hope so. Perfect. Okay, regulation 182. Which, which is? is? I'm going to need you to tell me so I can navigate to it. 9F12C. Okay, 9F12C. <laughs> hey, that's actually a good one. I like it. That's <laughs> yeah, not bad. So oh, we have stuff regulation... we can talk about here. <laughs> nice. You know what? We're going to do this every week. Um... <laughs> So this regulation is 9F12C. For multiple blindfolded solving, rankings are assessed based on the number of puzzles solved minus the number of puzzles not solved, where a greater difference is better. If the difference is less than zero, or if only one puzzle is solved, the attempt is considered unsolved. If competitors achieve the same result, rankings are assessed based on total time, where the shorter recorded time is better. If competitors achieve the same result at the same time, the rankings are assessed. Okay, so it's basically a regulation that describes how multi-blind is ranked. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of cool. I, have we had a talk on this podcast about multi-blind scoring? Um, I feel like I have a lot of interesting conversations with Cubers, and I feel like they're all part of this podcast, but I feel like <laughs> only like 10% of them are. I don't know if we've talked about how uh, multi-blind is scored. Yeah, because it's a kind of an interesting concept. Like, um, in every other event, the scores are so inherent, you know, like... How much time did you take? Yeah. Or how few moves did you need? Mm -hmm. Like, the thing is, the thing that's weird about multi-blind is compared to any other event, this is like a human-constructed scoring system. Right. Rather than just the natural, like, time or moves scoring system. And there was a lot of discussion 10 years ago, you know, on how do we determine the best way to score multi-blind. I wish I were more prepared on this now that I chose this regulation because I know that there's discussions out there of people proposing different ways to score things. Yeah, well, well let's talk about like what the what the current system is scoring for basically. Yes. It's so it's it has the, the basic thing is the number solved minus the number unsolved. Yeah, which determines points. Yeah, so basically the first thing you want is to just solve a bunch of puzzles. But then you mm -hmm. also need to be accurate right yes um so those are the main things that you're being scored on and, and right now it basically weights accuracy higher than total number solved and so i guess the question is is that is that a good system because like you can have a thing where somebody gets like 40 cubes out of 40 and that's mm -hmm. the same score as 45 out of 50 right and i don't know which of those actually is a better result and they sound about equal to me yeah <laughs> That's, I mean, I think that, honestly, I really enjoy how simple our system is. 
mm-hmm. and how decent it is at actually scoring the event. Yeah. Now, to be fair, there are some weird cases that I've seen. You know, like, for example, um, say, 6 out of 7 and 12 out of 19. Okay. You think come that... out to the same score. What do you think is weird about that? Uh, I don't I don't know. Like a lot of people would look at that and be like, "Oh, this person attempted 19 cubes. That's really impressive." And getting 12 correct is also pretty impressive. Yeah. Like it's twice as many cubes as the other person got correct. Mhm. Yeah, I guess I guess it it shows up more when like the raw difference in the number of cubes is a lot bigger. Like Right. Like getting 21 out of 40. Wait. Mm-hmm. Is this going to work? 21 out of 40 is the same as like 2 out of 3, right? Um, two out of two, it would be the same as. Okay, yeah. So, I think that 21 out of 40 is more impressive than two out of two. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So there's, I mean, the thing is though, no matter what system, like, the thing is that when we are talking about which result is better from, like, when we're talking in this way, this is, there's always going to be subjectivity that goes into this based on how much do you value accuracy versus how much do you value the number of cubes solved. Yeah, yeah. No matter what, there's always going to be like bad comparisons in any hard line that you draw. Mm-hmm. What I do like though about our current system is it seems to draw a relatively fair line and is simple. It's not like a crazy formula that determines your score. Yeah. It's very easy to understand. That's a, definitely a strong point. Yeah, like um, I ch- I challenge anyone to come up with a better way to score multi that's not ridiculously confusing yeah (laughs) like um that's like one of the nice things about our current system is i think that it's fair in that it balances accuracy with cubes i think i think maybe the only thing i would change Mm -hmm. that i think a lot of people would agree with is Mm -hmm. the very last part of this regulation which is if competitors achieve the same result and the same time actually i think that time shouldn't necessarily be the second like tiebreaker you think it should be number of cubes I, solved? I think it should be number of cubes solved. Hmm. Whereas that's sort of actually like the least valued thing in the current system. And like even the last line says, if competitors achieve the same result in the same time, rankings are assessed based on the number of puzzles the competitors failed to solve, where fewer unsolved puzzles is better. So that's like yeah. very directly saying accuracy is more important than cubes right. solved. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've never actually realized that they have that tiebreaker in there because that very rarely comes. Yeah, up. I mean that'll never like never happen. But yeah, um, and if it does happen, like Cube Comps deals with it, and I don't really ever see it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, just personally, I think that number of cubes solved should be ranked more highly than time, and as and yeah. certainly more highly than fewer unsolved, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's it's interesting because that's what I was kind of expecting you to bring up. I did not, I just didn't even realize that that third tiebreaker existed, mm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I I kind of almost agree with you because in generally most cases where I mean, the, the, here's the thing too. Like, I think there's a case for why forty five out of fifty and forty out of forty. I think you make a very good case for why forty out of forty is better. Yeah, that's true. I could see that. I feel like that then discourages, I mean, obviously it's a very minor discouragement because that it never gets to this tiebreaker. Um, yeah. But like, it sort of, like, if you were to take it really seriously, it would discourage ambition or ambitious attempts, which I don't like. Yeah. And again, it's a tiebreaker. So the, the difference in whether you do it one way or another is basically only like changing one ranking yeah. in a competition. Mm-hmm. Like you jump maybe one person 
you know, one method versus another. Mm-hmm. Maybe two people. I don't know. It would be a very small difference in how the rankings would be done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think you do have a point, but I it's 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 tough because you know, if you compare, you know, the, like the two cases that we talked about already, 6 out of 7 versus 12 out of 19. Mm-hmm. Um and 40 out of 40 versus 45 out of 50. Mm-hmm. You know, I might lean towards 40 out of 40 being more impressive, mostly because it's 100% accuracy. Yeah. And in the other case, I neither might lean was, towards... In the other case, neither was 100%. Right. Like, I almost wonder if, um, instead, that there should be a 100% accuracy tiebreaker. So, okay, so is your system, <laughs> like... So it's like, okay, first of all, just, like, the number score, like, determined the same yeah. way as it is now first tiebreaker is time is that your first tiebreaker yeah i don't know maybe maybe and maybe honestly the first tiebreaker should be 100 percent accuracy okay so like so you've got just the score mm -hmm. then 100 percent accuracy wins Mm -hmm. if not if there is nothing with 100 percent accuracy then time is that what you what you're saying yeah, and then this also gets complicated, too, because then there could be a group of people with 100% accuracy and without, with the same number of points. Like, for example, there could be, like, several 6 out of 6s, mm-hmm. and then some 7 out of 8s at the same competition. Yeah. So, like, do you rank all of the 6 out of 6s higher than the 7 out mm. of 8s first, and then from there? Yeah, it's like, when you have a very uh, dichotomous tiebreaker... Yeah. It's hard to go from there. It just, yeah, because it just puts them all in the same category. Right. So, I mean, you could do that. You just say, like, these people are definitely higher. These people are definitely lower. If you need to break ties within those two groups, mm-hmm. then go to, um, well, I guess in the in the 100% accuracy, you have to go to time. Yeah. Because everyone solved the same number of cubes. Right. Okay. So t- time is the type of for 100% accuracy. But then... Is number yeah. of cubes solved, or is time the tiebreaker for non one hundred percent accuracy, or is accuracy the tiebreaker? Yeah. <laughs> right. This, yeah. And then the thing is, like, you could say that, you know, you just solve the, the remaining tiebreakers by first number of cubes solved, which obviously just won't apply to one group. Yeah. And then after that, say it's time. This is getting very complicated. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not fully convinced that. breaking ties by number of cubes solved is better than time yeah i I think that overall it would be a little bit better but yeah i think that in a lot of cases it would be i haven't thought about this too much to really but uh to compare a lot of different cases but the two cases we've mentioned i definitely think would disagree (laughs) like i personally like if we used the kit is kit's subjective opinion tiebreaker wait we should that should just be the tiebreaker all the time we, we don't even look at we don't even look at like what the number is we just like call you tell you the two results don't give you time to think about it just say which is better <laughs> so actually uh we we did this as a joke in our <laughs> discord group <laughs> where ryan deline would just shout out how many points an attempt is worth uh-huh irregardless of the current scoring system <laughs> like mark would say he got like he got a 40 out of 43 at home and and ryan's would be like hey, i think that's about like a 10 <laughs> <laughs> all right so. kit so um i just want you to tell me which of these is better all right okay uh okay and you like don't take any time to think about it okay seven out of 11 21 out of 35 21 out of 35 <laughs> uh 
15 out of 15, 200 out of 300. <laughs> uh, 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 200 out of 300. <laughs> um, I'm scared. This is a this is a terrifying future. <laughs> um, four out of eight. Five out of eight. Five out of eight. <laughs> that, was, that was an easy one. <laughs> also, I'd be concerned about this system if you said the four out of eight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is a little too easy, I think. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, people can analyze those results at home uh, and let us Perfect. know. Give us an like equation for your system. With <laughs> <laughs> three data points. <laughs> Perfect. Although I guess you know my opinions on the first two we talked about. Yeah. I guess they're not a split judgment. But <laughs> yeah, so I guess my conclusion is that I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. Like that... I think in most cases, number of cubes is a better tiebreaker than time. Yeah, especially when it's like a big number of cubes versus a small number of cubes. Yeah, and almost always time favors smaller attempts. Yeah. Almost always. Mm -hmm. So even though we have that third tiebreaker, it's almost already the second tiebreaker. Because if you're attempting fewer cubes, you're almost surely going to take less time. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless there's just significant skill gaps in your three blind levels. I mean, that's also um, possible. Like, I take, like, it is possible. 55 minutes for six cubes or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, no. I think that's totally reasonable. And it's not always the case, but it does align with that way already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that instead of using time, which benefits smaller attempts, um, that number of cubes solved would, in most cases, I think, be a slightly better tiebreaker, but... I think in many cases, like the 40 out of 40 versus 45 out of 50 that, well, yeah, I don't know. I think that one's, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on that one. Yeah. I, I guess I really think that a hundred percent accuracy is impressive. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of where I lean, especially with huge attempts like that. Like getting 100% accuracy is so hard Mm -hmm. with how much you have to cram into that hour. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I, that's why I lean that way. Um, but I guess, you know, these cases are probably fewer than the other cases in my subjective opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we've talked before about how hard it is to get 100% accuracy. That we have talked about. I definitely had that. We definitely talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. That's the in the 10%. All right. Cool. That was a weird ending. Um, <laughs> that's so. in the 10%. <laughs> That's it, ten percent. If people remember me saying that, ten uh, percent of the time. That yeah, I know. It took I me a talk, really think... long time to figure. Like that whole yeah. time we were silent, I was just thinking, "What is? What? Like, what did what he just he, say? What, what is he talking?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. The ten percent of the time that I that I think a podcast topic is actually a mm-hmm. podcast topic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think that wraps things up for today. I think so. Yeah. This was uh this was a good time though. It's been a bit too long since we've recorded one yeah, of these. Yeah, it always seems like it is. Yeah. We'll have to hopefully start... we can Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can get back to a more regular schedule soon. Yeah, we'll try. Yeah, no promises, but uh you know, I definitely I definitely enjoy doing this. I also enjoy not editing these. <laughs> You're welcome. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm yeah, we, I, I hope we do, we uh, can get back onto a regular schedule. Um, we, you know, getting closer to that, uh, you know, twice a month pace that we started out mm-hmm. on. 
but yeah no promises life is hard yep all right see ya cool well, yeah i guess see you later here uh, here you later sarah. <laughs> thanks sarah for the logo and chat on our subreddit do it yeah even old episodes i'll see them but kit won't <laughs> and then they might become podcast topics who knows <laughs> They might also just, like, get talked about us offline where we'll say how cool you are, but not cool enough for us. Yep. <laughs> yep. See ya. All right. Bye. Later, sort of cool people. <laughs> Especially the sort of cool people. <laughs> All right. There, there was probably a, an ending somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, there is one right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>